0: Crossing the 260 of Lima at 31 miles west, level is 10,700 velocity...
1: In October 1996, a state-of-the-art passenger jet careens out of control for 30 horrific minutes, then crashes into the Pacific Ocean. At the time, no one understands how this could happen. The answer to the mystery may be found in the aircraft's black box flight recorder. The story investigators uncover is how a simple human error set off a chain of events that ended in tragedy.
2: two cents of American money brought down a 75 million dollar aircraft and killed 70
3: people. This kind of a problem that they faced that night was um, probably one of 10 over the last 20 or 30 years. You never lose hope immediately. You you know,
4: it takes time for you to get to that point that you, you, you will accept the fact that there's no people that got out of their life.
1: We're gonna turn over! Lima, Peru. Jorge Chavez International Airport. Aero Peru Flight 603 prepares for takeoff for Santiago, Chile plane is a four-year-old Boeing 757, a state-of-the-art passenger carrier known for its reliability and safety. Aero Peru 603 is flown by two of the National Airlines best pilots, Captain Eric Schreiber, 58, and First Officer David Fernandez, 42. 61 passengers and nine crew members are aboard. Most are Chileans on their way home. Others are Peruvian, British, Italian, Spanish, one New Zealander, and other Latin Americans. Among them are the brother in law and a close friend of Mexican businessman, Monas Albert.
4: We, our companies, do business in uh, South America. We export and every so often we will go to see our clients and, and on this trip, uh, Kenny and, and, and Abraham went to see some clients in Peru and, and Chile. I had a very good relationship with both of them, with my brother-in-law, of course, uh, we were like brothers. I loved the guy, he married my only sister, so it was, we had a great relationship.
1: Are complete. First Officer Fernandez hails the tower.
5: Lima Tower, Aero Peru 603, runway 15, ready for takeoff. Aero Peru 603, use noise abatement.
0: Wind calm, ready for takeoff on runway 15.
5: 1515, transponder, flats 15, takeoff briefing
6: complete.
1: The captain makes a joke about their precision.
6: So accurate, we are not even Swiss. Rolling. The Aero
1: Peru 757 is among a new generation of computer controlled aircraft in which pilots are trained to rely on a central data system designed to reduce errors, both mechanical and human. On takeoff, the 757 performs perfectly. 80 knots. Check.
5: V1, rotate. V2. Gear up. All right.
1: Within moments, the pilots get a very unusual reading. Plus tap. The altimeters are stuck. The altimeter indicates the height of the aircraft off the ground. It reads zero, though they were obviously flying. The
5: altimeters have stuck. Yeah. All of them? This is really new. Keep V2 plus 10.
1: The 757 is equipped with three altimeters, one for pilot, one for co-pilot, one backup. All three are dead. Then they lose another crucial instrument, the airspeed indicator.
5: The speed. The speed. What's going on? We're not climbing. No, I am climbing, but the speed. Hold it. Maintain speed.
1: Aero Peru 603 leaves the lights of Lima out toward the Pacific Ocean. With no airspeed or altitude instruments, the pilots are now flying blind. The air traffic controller in Lima maintains contact with the plane, noting its altitude and course. He does not hear when the pilots get a new, minor warning that they must adjust the rudder which steers the aircraft left and
5: right. 603, we are descending. Rudder ratio.
4: That's strange. Uh, turn to the right.
7: Alan McLeod is a veteran Air Canada pilot. They got a rudder ratio warning which consists of an amber light that would come flashing on there with a little beeping horn and a message on this engine crew alerting system saying rudder ratio. That's just a system that uh, reduces the amount of rudder the airplane has that can be used as the airplane accelerates and goes faster and faster. Because it was sensing wrong or improper information, it sensed a fault, so it gave a warning to the crew. The erratic warnings are being generated by the plane's central computer, but the pilots
1: cannot understand why. Then the dead altimeters spring to life
5: Climb, 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 climb I am Climb, you're going down, David I am up at the speed Yeah, but it's stuck, a mock trim rudder ratio Climb, 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 climb Set heading 100 now you're... It's okay on this heading Set the climb thrust Center autopilot in command. Suddenly, altitude readings return to normal,
1: but each passing moment takes them further into the dark night. Schreiber tries to engage the autopilot to give them time to think.
5: There is no command.
1: The autopilot requires identical data from two of the aircraft's three flight control computers. But Schreiber's instrument readings are so different from those of Fernandez, the autopilot disengages. Then another alert. Mach trim, Mach trim mock trim indicates that the plane is not flying in a level position yet the 757 is flying normally
6: let's go to basic instruments, everything going to hell
7: mock speed trim is a system that trims the airplane it changes the angle of the uh, horizontal stabilizer in the back end of the airplane and uh, that has to be changed as the airplane accelerates to a higher speed was getting false indications so they got a warning that uh, they had an overspeed which of course they didn't that warning would consist of again the master caution and a master warning which is a red light associated with a um, an oral warning as well despite
1: confusing warnings and no autopilot the aircraft is controllable if necessary Schreiber could keep the plane aloft for hours but he decides to land he instructs his first officer to declare emergency
0: we are in an emergency Aeropro 603 Lima we are declaring an
5: emergency we We have no basic instruments no altimeter no airspeed indicator declaring emergency altitude we don't have. Uh, we're up to uh, 1,000 feet, approximately 1,700.
0: 603.
5: Confirm if possible if you
0: can change your frequency to 119.7 to make sure you can receive radar instructions.
1: Just 60 kilometers from Lima, the pilots of Aero Peru Flight 603 are flying without instruments, hoping the tower can help bring them down alive.
0: 603, 603, Lima. We request vectors for ILS. They
5: seek the
1: runway with the help of a guidance transmitter called the Instrument Landing System, or ILS. The ILS provides information on their course, while altitude information comes from the aircraft's transponder.
0: Affirmative. Maintain present altitude.
5: What level do we have? We have 4,000 feet. Can you confirm for us?
0: Correct. Maintain 4,000. Schreiber and
1: Fernandez have never experienced yeah, nor been trained for this emergency.
5: Auto throttle
6: disconnect. Really, we don't have any control. We don't have any control, not even the basics. Let's see. Check everything. The airplane was
3: controllable, but you first have to diagnose what's wrong. And it's very easy from twenty twenty hindsight, sitting here in a chair on a nice sunny day to say... This is what he should have done. But in the cold, dark night with bells and whistles going off, uh, it's very difficult to analyze conflicting information that you're getting. This kind of a problem that they faced that night was um, probably one of 10 over the last 20 or 30 years that has been similar to this.
1: the dark pacific ocean the pilots cannot determine altitude nor speed by sight they request that the tower help guide them in
5: responding airspeed is zero all speeds right can you give us the airspeed please if you have us on the radar
6: yes affirmative
5: as of 10 seconds it It
0: seems that you're climbing at level 6000 at 22 miles south on heading 195
1: The air traffic controller's computers calculate a correct airspeed by measuring the plane's movement over the ground.
5: Okay, we have that. We are on heading 190, and we have 7,000 feet on the altimeter.
0: Yes, correct. You are now reaching 7,000. But neither the
1: pilots nor the air traffic controller know that the altitude indicated on the scope is incorrect. It is coming from the plane's erratic computer.
2: The traffic controller would try to help the pilot, but he was receiving the wrong information on altitude. He was receiving a wrong indication from the captain's altimeter. The reason the um,
7: air traffic control system was transmitting improper altitude readout information to the airplane was because the airplane altimeter, through the air data computer, would send the indicated altitude that the airplane was experiencing down to the radar unit and of course it was incorrect and they would read it off their readout down in the uh, air traffic control center and transmit it back to the pilots and of course it was incorrect because they were getting incorrect information to begin with.
1: Investigators would later discover that Aero Peru 603 was drifting downward while the altimeters showed them at a near constant 10,000 feet and the passengers are as yet unaware of the drama unfolding in the cockpit.
5: Avoid large or abrupt radar inputs. If normal left hydraulic system pressure available... Five
1: minutes after takeoff, Captain Schreiber orders Fernandez to scan the flight manual for some explanation of the warnings.
5: Yes, boss, do not attempt an auto land.
1: The air traffic controller continues to guide Aero Peru 603 back to the ground.
0: Aero Peru 603, we are observing you now at level 9200. What is your heading now?
5: We're heading level 205.
0: Affirmative. You are turning slowly to the right, correct?
5: No, we are maintaining course to stay away from the coast.
1: With incorrect altitude information being transmitted from the aircraft to the tower, they do not know that the plane is descending.
0: Your distance is 30 miles. Do you want a heading to proceed to the localizer, correct? Correct. We're going to suggest course North 360.
5: 360, we have problems here reading the instruments. You're going to have to help me with altitudes and airspeeds if it is possible.
6: OK, received.
5: Let's go. The
0: approach
1: is set. The 757's computers send critical warnings, information that the pilots are trained to obey, but cannot trust.
6: Let's try to make a descent on this heading.
5: It's climbing.
1: The airspeed plummets to below stall speed and then races up again.
6: Let's go
5: down to 10,000 feet. Why does the speed go away so fast? Could it be the real speed? That's what worries me. No, I don't think so. Can you verify our speed, please?
0: Three two zero is indicated.
5: We have 3-5-0, but... The those... engines are on idle, but we keep accelerating and accelerating. Okay, proceed.
7: Nerves are now stretched tight. You can imagine the pilots, they're flying there. They don't have a true indication of the speed. They're obviously trying to fly the airplane and changing the attitude up and down. That in itself will change an indication
2: of airspeed, although it was incorrect. Both pilots were really confused. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to act. And they did uh, unhuman uh, efforts to save the aircraft. But, uh, I mean, they, they were really tired and uh, of all the work, and all the confusion, and all the alarms.
1: Fernandez suggests that they try the speed brakes, used to rapidly slow the aircraft.
5: Extend the speed brakes.
1: For a moment, it appears to be working, then another warning.
5: All three indicators are fine on speed, fine on speed, over speed.
1: Overspeed means the plane is flying too fast. The pilots cannot believe it, but the warning adds to their confusion. They are forced to choose speed up or slow down. The lives of 70 people are in their hands. Fifteen minutes have passed since takeoff. Then the computerized brain of Aero Peru flight 603 sends another burst of contradictory
5: warnings But a ratio can't be nothing's disconnecting all engine instruments are okay
6: What can our real speed be?
1: Lima Tower provides their only chance of survival.
0: We are observing you crossing the 260 of Lima at 31 miles west. Level is 10,700. Velocity is approximately 280 over the ground. Perfect.
1: The controller's altitude reading is incorrect. Junk information being generated by the 757's computers and radioed to the tower.
7: Overspeed.
1: The brakes are on. But now, another overspeed warning. Then the stall warning sounds.
5: Let's descend, can't be overspeed. We're still flying.
2: They get a stall warning that the airplane is uh, falling out of the sky. At the same time, they got overspeed warning. Uh, Impossible to have two contradictory uh, alarms. Either you're stalling, or either you're uh, having an overspeed. So that created more confusion. Really, uh, this uh, problem has never happened before. It was a new emergency.
3: In aviation, you always figure, what's going to kill me? (laughs) What is the critical thing? Let's take care of that first, and then um, we'll take care of the other lesser issues uh, later on. Uh, When you get stall warning or when you get an overspeed indication, you need to pay attention to those immediately. In this case, they were getting both a stall warning and an overspeed. Well, which is right?
1: First Officer David Fernandez finally realizes that the odds are against a safe landing.
5: We request, is there any plane that can take off and rescue us?
0: Acknowledged, rescue has been alerted.
5: Any plane in the area to guide us? An Aero Peru that may be in the area anybody oh no, don't say anything like that yes because right now we are in a stall the
1: stick shaker vibrates violently indicating that the 757 is going too slow and could
0: fall from the sky aero peru 603 we have a 707 that is leaving for puduel we will advise him we are not in a stall it's a false
1: alarm schreiber's airspeed indicator reads 350 knots well above stall speed
5: no, we have stick shaker. It has to be. But even with speed brakes and everything, we're maintaining 9,500 feet. Why aren't we getting the same reading?
7: When the airplane is slowed up to a, to a point in the air that it can no longer sustain itself in flight, um, it stalls. The wing stalls or stops flying. There's a warning system built into the airplane that tells the pilots when that's happening. and It's known as a stick shaker along with a voice warning, which we just heard. Uh, When the stick shaker goes off, because the airplane has slowed down too much, you get a warning like this, where the control column is shaking and vibrating, along with the voice warning saying that the airplane is stalling, and of course the pilots would go into the aircraft stall recovery procedure at that point. In the battle between man and machine,
1: the deranged 757 is winning. The pilots have no sense of where they are, or how high. They have gradually been descending, now to just 300 meters over the sea. Lima Tower, misguided by Aero Peru 603's incorrect transponder, reassures the pilots that they are at 10,000 feet.
0: Aero Peru 603, you are now flying on course 120. We observe you to be at level 10,000. Your speed is approximately 220 and a distance from Lima of 33 miles to the northwest. The 707 will be ready in 15 minutes to fly west to help you.
1: The pilots have failed in their attempt at a landing. The best hope now is that another aircraft can get air and guide the 757 back
7: to the airport. To have another aircraft come alongside and formate or you formate on it would have one would have been one way of, of uh, recovering from this abnormal situation. However, we, we uh, must remember that the flight was at night and darkness. The pilots may or may not have had any formation flying training, but that would have been one way to resolve the problem quite quite well, actually.
3: What's happening? Too low terrain.
1: Now the pilots receive the most terrifying warning of all. It is called the ground proximity alarm, meaning a collision with the earth is imminent. Still, the tower tells them they are at 10,000 feet.
5: We have the terrain alarm and we're supposed to be at 10,000 feet. According
0: to the monitor, you have
5: 105.
3: There is no checklist for if you have these seven or eight Warnings going off, which they did, and they couldn't shut them off. Uh, it's it's a very it's a very rattling experience. I could play that tape for you, and you hear those things: whoop, whoop, pull up, terrain, terrain, and and all of these things going off, and the stick shaker. It, uh, it's a very unnerving. Environment.
5: All the computers are going crazy here.
1: Schreiber turns the aircraft toward the sea, away from a possible collision with a mountain or skyscraper. Too low terrain. Too low terrain. Despite the erroneous warnings, the terrain
7: alarm is correct. There's a system on board the aircraft called the Ground Proximity Warning System, and uh, it senses a rate of descent in the airplane the irony of the situation was they were getting warnings from that saying too low terrain terrain too low that probably in all probability was a true warning. but because they'd been subjected to so many warnings and ongoing false warnings and horns bells and whistles that they didn't really i don't think react to that uh, too, too seriously
5: We have 370 knots. Are we descending now? We're showing the
0: same speed. You have 200 knots speed approximately. Speed 200 knots? 220 ground speed, reducing speed slightly. The pilots are
1: stunned. 200 knots is precariously close to a stall speed.
5: Damn, we're gonna stall right now. Let's go up. Let's see. Let's go up here
1: two Peruvian men grapple with a deadly situation. A computer that warns them of flying too fast, too slow, and too low all at once. Schreiber decides to risk a second attempt at landing, seeking the signal, known as the ILS, to guide the aircraft to the runway.
6: I want to try to intercept the ILS. I'm trying to descend.
5: Lima, Aero Peru 603. We will try to intercept the ILS. Let us know if we are in.
0: Received Aero Peru 603. You show now level 9700.
1: Instruments seem to be working. For a moment, there is a glimmer of hope.
5: This one's right. This one's okay too.
1: The air traffic controller attempts to raise the pilot's spirits with good news.
5: Stand
0: by to verify speed. The 707 is about to take off. It is on taxi. Confirm our
5: speed. It is very important we do not have any speed indications on board. How can we be flying at this speed if we're descending with engines on idle? Give me the altitude, please.
0: Yes, you are maintaining 9700 according to the scope, sir.
5: 9700?
0: Yes, correct. What is your indicated altitude? Do you have any visual reference?
5: 9,700, but it is indicating too low terrain. Are you sure you have us on the radar at 50 miles? Hey, look. With 370, we have 370 what? Do we lower gear?
0: Aero Peru, 603 Lima.
5: What do we do with the
0: gear?
1: Suddenly, they realize the awful truth.
0: We're heading north. Climb! Climb AeroFru 603 if you need to, pull up!
1: For 20 seconds, the pilots struggle for altitude. I've got it! I've got it! We're gonna turn over! AeroFru
0: 603, Lima. Aero-Peru 603, Lima.
1: The next morning, Mexican businessman Monas Albert learns that an Aero-Peru flight has crashed.
2: Five minutes after takeoff, the crew informed the tower that they were having an emergency and they requested clearance to return to Lima. During the process, contact with the aircraft was lost at 0110, with the latest position of the aircraft being 50 miles north of the city of Lima.
4: About six o'clock in the morning, I got up and turned on the news channel and I heard there was a, a crash, an airplane crash of Air Peru, but the news mentioned New York to, to Lima. Rescue
2: operations are underway by authorities. The aircraft was carrying 61 passengers and nine crew members.
1: His brother in law and his business partner were on Aero Peru 603.
4: So I went to the shower and didn't pay a lot of attention. But when I came out, they corrected the news and they said from Lima to Santiago. And I knew in that plane Kenny and Abraham were flying. The news was very vague so they mentioned there might be some survivors and they mentioned that the, the plane crashed on Pacific Ocean and and they didn't have a lot of uh, news and the crash was at night so in my mind I thought that the plane sort of landed on water and, and most people got out.
1: Guido Fernandez has just been appointed Peru's accident investigator. Aero Peru is his first case. The co-pilot, David Fernandez,
2: is his nephew. I was in bed. It was uh, about 4.30 in the morning. And they called me. Your nephew uh, is lost in an airplane. They asked me, I mean, how do you feel that your nephew was a co-pilot? My I I feel very bad, but I'm a professional. I have to do a job. I have to comply uh, and complete my, my duty. So uh, that's what I did. Fernandez rushes to the crash site in
1: a Navy helicopter. It is clear there are no survivors. Nine bodies are floating in the debris. The rest sank with the 757. puts thoughts of his nephew out of his mind. His job is to retrieve the aircraft's flight data and voice recorders to determine what happened. He needs help. Fernandez contacts the National Transportation Safety Board in Washington, D.C., one of the world's leading agencies for air accident investigation
3: they had found the aircraft it was uh, pretty well documented by radar uh the navy the peruvian navy had uh, uh gotten a uh, fix on the floats and the wreckage in the ocean and um, the only uh, thing left to do was find it on the bottom of the ocean which they did not have the facilities for
1: rodriguez flies to lima to join Guido
3: Fernandez in his effort to find answers. When I found out that his uh, nephew was the first officer, I suggested that perhaps they should consider removing uh, Captain Fernandez from the investigation because of emotional involvement and what have you.
1: The American investigators concerns
3: soon vanish. He was uh, very objective, I would say an excellent investigator considering that it was and not a distant nephew. I mean, it was his very close relative. Uh, he, um, he did a, an outstanding job. The black box in the Boeing
1: 757 can emit a locator beacon for 30 days. The U.S. Navy provides underwater remote-operated vehicles to survey the debris field, seeking the black boxes it is clear to the veteran investigator Rodriguez that the plane went down in one piece.
3: I've done in-flight breakups that were spread over 15, 16 miles and maybe a mile and a half wide, which tells you instantly that, the, just what you know of the looking at the wreckage, that this thing didn't hit in one piece. It clearly was disintegrating as it was uh, crashing. But in this case, it was a fairly tight debris field and um, so obviously it hit at high speed and um, was fairly closely knit wreckage pattern. The data recorders
1: are retrieved from the 757. Brought to the surface, the boxes are placed in coolers full of fresh water to keep them from oxidizing. They are swept back to Washington for analysis at the NTSB. The cockpit voice recorder might offer the evidence investigators seek. Every word spoken by pilots Schreiber and Fernandez, and every unnerving alarm, is recorded on audio tape. The recorded voices are faint, sometimes hard to make out, but the chaos in the cockpit rings through with chilling clarity. Too loud terrain! Too loud terrain! Three, two. The tape is digitized into a computer, filtered and enhanced.
2: The
3: Too it was clear to us that uh, there were, they were really experiencing a problem with airspeed and altitude. And um, the airspeed and altitude indications in the aircraft are strictly a function of the, what we call the pedostatic system.
1: A static system is found on all aircraft, large or small. External ports measure outside air pressure to provide data on altitude and speed. If these ports are obstructed, the plane's computers generate false warnings. But why these ports would be blocked is a mystery. Robotic vehicles are deployed to find the missing piece of the puzzle. Investigators are stunned to discover that Captain Schreiber's static port is completely blocked with tape. Just before Aero Peru 603 lifted off from Lima, maintenance workers cleaned the aircraft. A worker covered the static ports with tape to protect them. This is standard procedure but he forgot to remove the tape. It was a
7: small oversight with catastrophic results. The taping was never removed. And when the airplane departed and started to fly, nothing but trapped static uh, sea level air pressure was sensed by those instruments. And in a matter of fact, the airplane was climbing up in the thinner air and the, um, the information presented on the instruments and to the air data computer was false which generated to uh, just totally
3: non-normal readings. The inspector who was supposed to quality check his work did not do it. And the supervisor out on the line that night was not there, he was sick, and there was a, um, a regular mechanic who was filling that role. He did not see it. And the captain or the pilot, in this case, the captain did the pre-flight. Um, they do a walk around looking for just that kind of thing. Um, the captain did the pre flight that night and he did not detect it either. A little piece of paper with glue
2: caused an accident. But the paper and the glue are not to blame. Humans are to blame because humans use that tape in the wrong place for the wrong purpose.
1: An accident shockingly similar to Aero Peru flight 603 happened with another 757 just eight months earlier. In February 1996, 189 people die when a German charter called Bergen Air crashes after takeoff near Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic. The NTSB assists in the investigation. A survey of the wreckage reveals that one pito tube, the other critical part of the pitot-static system, is blocked. As with Aero Peru 603, night is the pilot's worst enemy. The Bergen Air pilot flips the plane upside down before crashing into the sea. Are immediately issued to all airline carriers about pedostatic problems. But Aero Peru had not yet implemented the changes.
3: The bulletins and the, let's call it the fruits of the Dominican Republic investigation of Bergen Air, had not yet reached Aero Peru at the time this accident occurred. The Peruvian government very correctly made a point of that in their report on the accident saying that they should have given more impetus to those recommendations to get them out to the industry quicker.
5: 9,700, but it is indicating too low terrain.
3: Even if Schreiber
1: and Fernandez had known about Bergen Air, it may not have helped them survive given the high
7: pressure of their situation.
5: What? Can we lower gear?
7: It's easy to sit here in the 757 cockpit and play the Monday morning quarterback, uh, having heard the bells and the overspeed warnings, the ground proximity warning, the stall warning... Um, it was very easy to do that and sit here and, and say what I would have done being an experienced pilot. But to put yourself into the position of those two pilots that night, they were in an extremely difficult situation to fly that airplane and, and recover from that, uh, that experience.
1: Two weeks after the crash, Monus Albert joins dozens of grieving families seeking the remains of his brother-in-law and his friend
4: he finally identifies them in a Lima Morgue I wanted to find them I really wanted to find them and and one part of me didn't want to find them because they, there was this fantasy that if I don't find them maybe they're in an island with a with a with a drink and looking at some girls dancing I can Close the chapter, I can I can go and take him and have him buried and and there'll be a place for the family to go and and put some flowers once in a while and and say, okay, my, my brother-in-law is here or my dad is here or my husband is here. Now that the
1: investigators have their answer to the mysterious loss of Aero Peru 603, the lawsuits begin. November 1996, a Miami lawyer takes the case on behalf of 41 passengers and crew, arguing that Boeing is liable for the accident.
6: Boeing has to foresee the misuse of their product. In other words, the manufacturer of a product is legally liable for the foreseeable misuse of their product, if it can be corrected. In other words, Boeing builds the airplane with a, with potential hazard in it. That hazard is that, in order to clean the airplane, you have to cover the static port. And if you don't take it off, the airplane can crash. I wanted them back,
4: and since I couldn't get them back, at least I wanted the wives of the victims to get compensated. How much is that worth? I don't know, I didn't know. Abraham had three daughters, and now they don't have a father. So, what is the compensation? The best compensation, if can be done, is get them back, give them life back again. But because that is not possible, then the other possibility is to get a monetary compensation. And then you fight for the best compensation you can get. Boeing argues that Aero Peru is
1: at fault, not at 7.57. An Aero Peru worker forgot to remove tape from over the static port, which is marked with clear warnings. Boeing also blames Captain Eric Schreiber. It was his job to visually inspect the aircraft before taking off. But investigator Richard Rodriguez can understand how Schreiber overlooked the tape on the
3: static port. One of the reasons is it's very high. It's about maybe 15, 17 feet up in the air. And at night with the flashlight, and this happened to be duct tape, which you're not supposed to use. They specify the tape and it was duct tape, which is silver. So it would not distinguish itself against the background of the fuselage of the aircraft. So basically three or four people failed to detect the tape on the aircraft prior to departure. As the search for blame
1: continues, the worker who taped the ports is jailed for negligent homicide.
2: Uh, lawyers, they lawyers, uh, you know, sometimes they confuse uh, matters and uh, they send a the guy and uh, ask people questions and ask questions. And the one that stuck the tape was the painter, was the the, the lowest cultured and the, the one that knew less about what could happen. And the judge uh, resolved that uh, he was the, the one uh, responsible and he was in jail
1: driver and Fernandez are also scrutinized. Veteran pilot Alan McLeod believes that in their situation, he would not have attempted to land. He would have continued to fly for as long as he could, with the plane angled upward slightly and the
7: speed set just above cruise. Experience has shown that if, if you don't fly the airplane when you're experiencing an abnormal situation, and they certainly were. Uh, you must fly the airplane. Just concentrate on flying the airplane and get the airplane under control, first and foremost.
5: Are we going down now? We have 370 knots.
7: If you don't do that, airplane's going to bite you, and you're going to end up uh, in more serious situations. So I would fly the airplane, make sure I was able to fly it safely, if only by using the attitude direction indicator and normal power settings that I was familiar with, and then eventually work my way back and get it on the ground.
1: In 1999, Boeing and Aero Peru decide to settle the lawsuits out of court. Families and loved ones receive an exceptional settlement, averaging a million dollars U.S. per victim. The damages are high because of the terrible way the victims of Aero Peru
6: died. We were able to show that a lot of the people were alive. In a crash like this, a lot of the people would survive the crash and then die of drowning. There was no question in our minds that the people suffered terrible, terrible terror and pain when this happened to them. They were horrified. They were awake. They knew what happened. The disaster
1: helped sink Aero Peru. Combined with increased competition and rising debt, the national airline goes bankrupt in 1999. Boeing increases training on pito-static problems and issues new regulations and approved static port covers. Since 1996, there has not been another pito-static failure like the one on Aero Peru 603.
6: The designers of these products, the manufacturers of the products, I know that they have to take safety into account. They have to, of course they do that because they know it's the right thing to do. But they also know that if they don't do it, there's going to be somebody watching them that's going to investigate it, that's going to find out why it happened, and that they're going to be accountable for what they do wrong. And that if they don't take into consideration safety, they're going to have to pay for it. The case is settled and the airline industry moves on. Such is the world of
1: commercial aviation. But it is little consolation for those whose lives were scarred forever by an insignificant piece of tape.
4: They suddenly say that guy doesn't exist anymore. It's very hard to swallow that. It's very hard to to understand. And it took me uh, a long time to accept So the memory is still there and it will be there for a long time. I'm not going to let go. I don't want to let go.